hope that you're able to, your heart is in a place to hear this, because this word is for you, okay? Anyways, uh, we're going to start with Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. <clears throat> and this is, it says here, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. The Lord, the Heavenly Father, is saying this to you, every one of us. He has a plan for you. Now, this plan could, be, could involve, you know, this plan maybe take place in a month from now, two months from now, a year from now, maybe 10 years from now. Let's see, but uh, I really appreciate it with the Message Bible, how it, it puts it. It says, I know what I'm doing. This is what the Lord is saying. I know what I'm doing. Sometimes you wonder, gee, Lord, do you know what you're doing? I, I don't see it happening yet. But the Lord declares, I know what I'm doing. He is God. Okay? I have, a, I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not to abandon you, plans to give you a future and a hope for. He's not going to abandon you. He has plans to take care of you. But you know something? His plans are special. They're, his plan for me is different than the plan he has for you. Every one of us, has. A, he's got a plan for. Okay? Now, I just ask you, just search your heart. Maybe you already know what God's plans are for you. You know? But I just ask you right now, just search your heart and say, Lord, what is, show me the plan you have for me. So the question is, it may be for the near future, and it may be for the far future. It may be a plan for a wife. It may be a plan for a family. It may be a plan for a prayer center in, Dun in Dunville. It may be a plan for uh, a business. Maybe a plan to go to university. Go to college. Plan to become a basketball player, a football player. You know, I had plans to be a football player. I was drafted by Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But I chose not to go on that plan because the Lord had a different plan for me. And I, uh, the plan was I, and he has, he has different plans for us in our life. You might think, well, this plan's done. That's it. I'm going to lay back and retire. I got no, there's nothing else for me. God has a plan for you even beyond retirement. He's got a plan for you every day of your life. His plan is to bless you and to give you a future and a hope. So I, I my first plan, I, I was uh, uh, a millwright, and I worked at S over 22 years. I'm a mechanical supervisor there. And I'll tell you something. When we first started in our, our marriage and our life, things were tight. You know, you, you have a family, you got to buy a new home, and things are tight. But I know, I knew, and I, this was what the, my relationship was with God, is that when we were in need, I knew that I was going to get a phone call to work overtime so that it would provide for our needs. And that's where my trust was. God, I know you're, you're looking after me. And I know you know my needs. And that's the relationship I had with God. 
But soon plans change. Your future change, changes. But my question to you is, how do you know God's plan for your life? How do you hear the voice of God? Have you ever wondered that? How do I hear the voice of God? I got some examples for you how to hear. Not exa- you know, only examples. I got some. I, you might want to take note of this. I got seven examples of how you can hear the voice of God. Number one, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Are you a sheep? Do you belong to Jesus? Put your hand up. Do you belong to Jesus? You do? And Jesus says, you hear my voice. So you have the Holy Spirit in you, and the Holy Spirit in you speaks to your heart. Okay? That's number one. That's one way of hearing the voice of God. Number two, the second way of hearing God's voice is through the word of God. I want to say this, that they all complement each other. If you're just hearing a voice in here and it doesn't line up with God's word, doesn't, things aren't re, re, being revealed before you, and things are not lining up, these things, they all line up. Now, give me an example. The word of God. Is your, how many times have you read the word of God and all of a sudden... It's like, it comes alive. It's like, wow, that speaks directly to my heart. And it gives me direction. Actually, in um, 2, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that's what, that's what it says. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are when we are wrong, and teaches us to do what is right. This is what the, the Word of God will do for you in your life. But you need to read the Word of God. I read the Word of God every day. I read it, and that's why I just, ever since I've come to know Jesus, I've been reading it, and I've gone through the Bible many times. But I'll tell you, there's been many times I've been seeking and praying and asking God for direction in my life, and it comes through the Word of God. And it comes through the Spirit of God speaking in my heart. They line up. They line up. And you have confirmation. And it's like you have confidence in going forward because you know God is with you. Another way to hear God's voice is circumstances before you begin to unfold. You ever seen that like a doors begin to open? Or you'd be talking with someone, just talking with somebody out of the blue, and all of a sudden it's like, they give you a word. It's like God is speaking right through them. They don't know what they're saying, but all of a sudden, they're speaking right to your heart. And that's God. That's the Holy, Heavenly Father. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Or just things, circumstances before you be, begin to unfold. I know when, whenever, when I first started to know the Lord Jesus, I never, like I didn't know the Lord many years ago, and I was walking aimlessly through life. But when I came to know the, the Heavenly Father, I could see him working in my life. Like things are happening. And you know it's God. You know it's the Heavenly Father. That's how the Holy Spirit, that's how the Heavenly Father speaks to you and give you and directs you in your life. That's one way, another way of hearing the voice of God. Number four, another way of hearing the voice of God is prophetically. If someone were to speak a word into your life, I I shared this. Um a couple weeks ago that we were at a prayer meeting in 
in Port Dover and all of us, and this brother that was leading the meeting, we were there for a different reason, but all of a sudden he said, listen, I, I feel I have a word for you and your wife. And we, so he prayed over us and he said, the Lord is going to give you, you're going to start a business and you're going to need a lot of money. Now, honest with you, I didn't relate to this. I, I, because I was working at Siemens Westinghouse and I was making really good money and I was there treating me super. But you know what it says in Jeremiah? says, I know what I'm doing. Well, we don't know the future. Four months after that, after having this word, all of a sudden there was a, there was a downturn in the economy and Siemens Westinghouse did a dive. We were building 64 engines a year and we went down to four engines a year. So, they ended up giving me a package. And we started this business of building homes. Okay? So, like I say, another way of receiving God's word is prophetically. Another way of hearing God's word is through a dream, through dreams. We know of Joseph when he had dreams. Joseph had dreams, that is, a dream that his father and his mother and all his brothers would bow down to him. And when he shared this dream with them, they got all upset with him. That dream came to pass. God was showing him the plan he had for his life. So, and uh, another way is through visions. Another way of hearing God's word, and sometimes you'll be praying. Actually, maybe I'll just read it for you, and I'll just share something with you. And that is um, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It says, this peace will guard your heart. You ever been in... in Something's going on in your life, and you don't have peace. And in here, you're not feeling good about it. That's the Holy Spirit telling you, you need to get away from that situation. You need to get away. You need to stop that and go in a different, different direction. Or maybe you've got peace about something. You're praying about something, and you're not sure if you, you should continue on with this, this job or this relationship. You don't have peace about it. The Holy Spirit is saying to you, you know, it, it's not good. Or the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, it's good. I was um, talking with John Paul Edelman, John, John Edelman, a couple weeks ago, and I was asking him about when he started his business because we were with him 30 years back, 32 years back, when he first bought that FINA gas station in Cuga, and he started selling cars. When he first started selling cars, he bought some, he had some older cars, you know, nothing like the vehicles he's got out there now. But after a year, somebody came and offered him some money for the business. They wanted to buy his business. And he, him and Arta were kind of thinking about it, and then they called John Sr., his, John's dad. And John's dad said to him, have you prayed about it? John said, well, no, I'm going to we're going to pray about it. They hung up the phone. This is what John had shared with us. 
They hung up the phone. Him or Arda prayed and asked the Lord if they are going to continue, to continue with the business. And this peace came over him. The peace of God came over him. And it was, it told him that they were to continue on with this business. And as a result of that, you can see. You can see the plan of God. And the plan of God is just continue to unfold for them. Well, it's the same in our life. The peace of God will guard your heart as you live, as it says here, in Christ Jesus. So, now, now that you have the, God's plan for your life, then where do you, what do you do with it? Actually, I was, I was speaking with Jamie. She shared something with me a couple, maybe three or four months ago. It was something that was happening in her life. And maybe I could ask her to come and share that with you at this time. It's real special. So hello, everyone. Um, I'm Jamie. And Brian asked me if I could share with you today a personal experience I have had since I have come to know God through my salvation and through God's words and with my walk in faith with Jesus and God. And once I sat down to prepare what I was going to share with everyone, I realized that I have put my trust and faith in God so many times recently that I didn't know where to begin. I literally, my dining room table was filled with all of these notes, and I just put my hands up and I said, okay, God, what do you want me to say? What do you want want them to hear? And I, I just want to glorify you. So this is what came to my heart. At the beginning of August this year, I took a trip to North Carolina to take a training that would certify me to become a parenting coach. But before I took this trip, I was praying to God, seeking answers as to what to do about my future with my career as a child and youth counselor. I am currently on maternity leave and have been struggling with the idea of having to go back to work because my career would put me in a position where I would have to compromise my beliefs, and that just was not sitting well. Without going into all the details, God led me to a book, and the book led me to a website, and the website led me to this training in North Carolina that I attended and am now currently studying to become a parenting coach. And, and this parenting coach is biblically founded and is something that I do truly believe in. While I was away in North Carolina, God was revealing to me so many truths that I had questions about, and God was confirming with me that I needed what I needed to do about my career and for the purpose of glorifying him. And the hardest part about everything I am sharing with you about going to North Carolina was trusting and trusting that I was doing the right thing. Faith in God to me means having to trust and faith for me in this situation required courage for me to travel to North Carolina and obey or take ca- action for what I trust in my heart is God's plan for me. Some things I want you to know about this trip that absolutely scared me and had me feeling very vulnerable were number one, I'd be flying on an airplane for the first time in my life, and that was pretty intense. Two, I would be traveling by myself because it was too expensive to bring my family with me. 
Three, I would be leaving my children, and one of my children at the time being only eight months old. And four, it required me to spend a fair amount of money that my family doesn't have a lot of to cover costs for the training, passport, hotel, food, airfare, and transportation. So even though all of these things scared me and left me feeling completely vulnerable, I knew in my heart that it was right and that God would not let me fall because it was by his will and his grace that it be done. And I believe that God works and reveals himself in mysterious and wondrous ways. I believe God knows us better than we will ever know ourselves. And I also believe that God's timing is perfect and to just trust in that. I truly believe that God has plans for each and every one of us and that our past is like stepping stones to our futures and that our past is helping us prepare us for the work God wants us to do. And even though I am convicted that I am on the right path, I don't have it all figured out and it hasn't been easy, but I'm just trying to take one step at a time. To trust is to know the truth. Truth strengthens. Truth liberates, and truth changes everything. Truth is found in God's words. And I'm going to end by reading Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, because it pretty much sums up everything I was trying to say. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Thank you. Wasn't that obvious? I mean, wasn't that special? One thing that really spoke to my heart was she said she had to have courage. You know, to, to enter into, to, when God has a plan for you, it takes courage to step into it, <laughs> right? It's, a lot of times it's very difficult to do that. But isn't it something that he's there with us? He provides for you, and he stirs your heart up. It says that, one thing I, in, in the Word, it says that God gives you the, the desires of your heart. And a lot of times, he plants those desires in you. You know, a desire in you to have a, a wife, to find a wife, to find a family, to find a career, to go to college. It can be scary. Start a new business. Hey, that can be scary. Especially when the things... Uh, aren't falling into place. I'll give you an example. Like, uh, I think I shared this a couple weeks ago when we first started our business. Like, the first two houses we, we started, we had to get plans, and we had to get a building permit. And, I mean, right there, that's like uh, maybe $15,000 each house. And then we, had to, then we went and started digging down the, the footings level, and we hit topsoil. So we, the building department says you've got to keep going until you get rid of a lot of topsoil. We had to dig down three feet more. Then we had to bring in all this engineered fill and compact it all the way up. And it had to be engineered. And it cost us $13,000 for each lot. Wow. You know, and I, God, you really know what you're doing? <laughs> Is this, you know, first two houses. But now looking back... I, knew, I can declare he knows what he's doing. And I can see because where our business is now. The Lord provides. He provides. Like Even though when I was a millwright, I said that 
I knew when he was going to call me. When I was in need, I knew I was going to get a call in to work overtime. Those were, you know, those things, that seems really small and to you. But those were big at that time. And now I'm trusting him for bigger things, you know, like, Lord, I, I've got to buy all these lots because here we're competing with these big builders in Brantford and, and Hamilton that come in and want to buy up whole subdivisions. So you've got to go ahead and, and buy these lots and hope people come along and want to build a house with you. And you have to put up a lot of money. But not only that, it's scary. It takes courage. Am I making the right decision? Well, I declare, declare to you that he is faithful and he is able. The plan he has for you is for, to give you a future and a hope. So, isn't that special what uh, Jeremy shared about trusting the Lord with all your heart? Not just a little bit. Trust the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, <clears throat> But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In the American Standards it says, When you come be, uh, but without faces, it is impossible to please God, for when you come to God, you must believe that he is God. So when we come to God in prayer, and we all do that. We all come, I'm in need. We come to God in prayer, we must believe that he is God. What does that mean when he is God? That means he is creator. He's, he, can, he can move these big high mountains that are before you. He can make them flat. These crooked roads that are before you, he can make them straight. He can provide the needs that you have. He can provide for that, that crop you need. He can provide for that, that education. He will provide the people to come in. You just be obedient to him and step out in faith, and he will reveal himself as God. So, I was... Um, I think I, I shared this a couple of weeks ago about the Roman officer that that came to Jesus and said that you know I have a servant my servant is paralyzed in bed and he's raked with pain and Jesus said to him I will come to your house and pray and he will be healed and the, the officer said to him Master just speak the word and he will be healed. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, it says here, this is what Jesus said. Oh, Matthew 8, yeah, verse 10, thanks. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. But it wasn't amazing that Jesus said, I'm amazed. He was amazed at his faith. Later on in, in Matthew 6, Jesus, Matthew, pardon me, Mark talks about Jesus going to his hometown in Nazareth. And when he went to his hometown, the people were saying there, where did he gain all this wisdom? 
where did he game? Where did he, how can he perform these miracles? You know, he's just a carpenter. He's uh, Mary's son. He's Joseph's son. He's James's brother, and we have his, his sisters are live amongst us. And it said that Jesus could only perform a few miracles in Nazareth. But it goes on to say that in, uh, where was that? In, where was that? In Mark, Mark 6, there it is. And he was amazed at their unbelief. I just want to leave it at that. It says that Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. So I want to say to you, God has a plan for you. He's got a plan in your life. You want him to be amazed at your faith and stepping out in obedience to that? Because he knows what's, what you need. He's given you a desire in your heart. I know it's scary. I know it takes courage. But I want to say that I want Jesus to be amazed at my faith and my belief in him. And I don't want him to be amazed at my unbelief. No, I, I believe you all want that. Well, here, I was reading about Mary in, uh, in Luke 1, verse 45. Just to recap here, what happened when the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, Mary, why, first of all, why would, why would the Heavenly Father pick Mary? All the women in Israel, he picked Mary. Let me say this, he had a plan for Mary. And the plan was, the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she would conceive. And she would give birth to the, she would give birth to the Son of God. But this is what Mary said to the angel. I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. You hear that? Mary is saying, I am the Lord's servant and whatever he has for me, that's, that's what I want. And she goes on to say, may everything you have said come true. May everything you have said come true. The plan you have for me, Heavenly Father, I am willing. Let it come true. I'm ready. Then she goes and visits Elizabeth. And this is what Elizabeth says to her. Elizabeth, remember when Mary just walks in the room, walks in the house of Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth is carrying John the Baptist. And as soon as John, the baby John in the womb, hears the voice of Mary, he leaps. And this is what Elizabeth speaks over Mary. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because of that. You know, I know something. You will be blessed in believing the plan that God has for your life, you'll be blessed. And you just need to declare it, Lord, I am willing. I don't know the future. I don't know what it, it, it tail, entails. But I'm going to step out and believe. Now, but I want to tell you something. There are people out there. I share with you about that, that uh testimony of Shaquille O'Neal, a professional basketball player. And when he was in high school, this teacher told him that you're too, 
you're too big, you're overweight, you're, too, you're not strong enough, you're not fast enough. If he chose to believe that lie, he would have never entered into the plan that God had for him. But he chose to believe, he chose to work it, he chose to go out and push weights and exercise and run hard. Yeah, and he, the next year he made the basketball team. And he ended up leading that team onto a state championship. Then he got a scholarship to UCLA. Then he became a national basketball player, the greatest basketball player ever. What I'm saying here is don't believe the lies or the things that people would throw at you and speak over you. Believe the truth. Believe what God would say to you. I know, have, you ever, have you ever read the book of Nehemiah? Man, that is a special book. You need to read that book. Nehemiah, it, at this time, the time of Nehemiah, all the children of Israel had been, uh, Jer- Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Assyrian army, and the children, the ones that were captive, were taken back to Babylon. Well, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king because they had taught, you know, you heard about Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach. Well, they, these ones, these, these Jews were taught the language, and they were taught the traditions, and they were amazed at how much they'd learned. But anyways, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. What does a cupbearer do? A cupbearer drinks a drink before the king would drink it because if it's poisoned, he would die first, not the king. Okay? So... It so happens that Nehemiah's brother visits Jerusalem, and he comes back and he tells Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Jerusalem is trodden down, it's torn down, all this, the walls are torn down, the, the gates are burned, and the people are suffering reproach, and whatever they try to grow, it, it gets destroyed. And Nehemiah is burdened with this. He is so upset about this, and he goes before God, and he fasts, and he prays for his people, for Jerusalem, for the people there. Then he ends up going to the king, and the king says to him, Nehemiah, why are you sad? Now, if, you go sad, if you're sad before the king, that could cost you your life, okay? because he's there to drink this wine, and he's got to be happy. Because, <laughs> anyways... He prays. He prays under his breath. You ever done that? You're going to a meeting. Just before you go into a meeting, and you're praying, Lord, help me in this meeting. Let it go well. Um, I went and spoke before the town council the other couple weeks ago, and just before going in, I prayed and asked God to give me words to speak. And he did. And, man, he went, it, was, it went awesome. Well, here in Nehemiah, and the, the king says to him, Nehemiah, why are you sad? And he prays. God probably underneath his breast. And then he tells the king why he's sad, what's happening in Jerusalem. And the king said to him, what can I do to help? Wow. What can I do to help? And so let's, this, uh, maybe we could look at this scripture here in Nehemiah, where is it, chapter 2, verse 8. <clears throat> and, it please, and please give me a letter, this is what Nehemiah says to the king, please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, 
for the city walls, for the house of, for myself. And the king granted these, th- these requests because, I want you to look at that. The king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was upon me. The gracious hand of God was upon me. I want to, I want to tell you this. The gracious hand of God is upon you. That means all the supplies that you need to do the plan that God has for your life is there. The gracious hand of God is upon you. Can you say that, please? The gracious hand of God is upon me. Say it over, please. I want to tell you, expect that. Use faith, believe that. You're going to see the gracious hand of God is upon you. I've been declaring that for two or three weeks, and man, the gracious hand of God is upon me. Nehemiah goes, goes to Jerusalem, and he walks, or pardon me, he rides around Jerusalem, and he gathers all the people, of Jer- all the Jews in Jerusalem. He gathers them all. And this is what he says to them in Nehemiah 2, verse 18. Then I told him about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about the king's conversation with, or pardon me, about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the walls. So they began the good work. It brought courage. He brought courage to all the people, the Jews at that time. He told them, the gracious hand of God is upon me. And actually, it's upon us. But I want to say something there. It goes on. It talks about Tobiah. Uh, Tobiah and... What's your name? Tobiah and Sambalak were... They were always... They were trying to discourage the people in Jerusalem to not build this wall. They're telling them, ah, you're not good enough. You haven't got the money. You haven't got the expertise. Have you ever heard that before in your life? You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You haven't got enough money. You haven't got enough brains. You can't get that promotion. You're not good enough for that. But this is what Nehemiah said to Sambalak and Tobiah in verse 20. Uh, Nehemiah 2, verse 20. I replied... The God of heaven will help us succeed. The God of heaven will help us succeed. The God of heaven will help you succeed. You believe that the gracious hand of God is upon me. He's upon you. And he will help you succeed in the plan that he has for your life. You will see it come to pass. So, I just want to, just in close, I want to re- recap on a few things. First of all, God has a plan for your life. Every one of your lives, he has a plan. Number two, let God be amazed at your faith in him, in, in walking out and walking through this plan. I want God to be amazed at my faith. You want God to be amazed at your faith, Right? Believe that the gracious hand of God is upon you. And I'm telling you, every, your whole life, 
gracious hand of God is upon you. His blessing is upon you. And lastly, that he will help you succeed in this, through this plan and in this plan. Amen? Can you declare the amen to this? Okay. I want you to receive this. And I want you to receive what God has for you. So I just ask you to bow your head. I want to say something very quickly. Some of you have dropped the ball. Okay? You've stopped the plan because you've been listening to Sambalak and Tobiah. You know, I, sometimes in my job, I, I get so many things going on, I drop the ball in one area. You know what I have to do? I pick the ball up. When you talk about dropping the ball, it's like you've you're, you got these balls going around like this, and you drop one. Some of you have dropped the ball, the plan that God has for your life. And the Lord is saying to you right now, pick up the ball. Pick it up. Okay? Let's get going again. The gracious hand of God is upon you. So if that's been you, if that is you, you're in that place, just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want, I'm picking up this ball. I want to move forward. I trust in you with all my heart. Okay, let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your plan for our life. And it is a plan to give us a future. You know, what, you know the end from the beginning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your gracious hand that is upon us. And I thank you that you will give us the supplies that we need. You will send people before us. You will give us that promotion. You will give us favor with people because we have favor with you. Father, I thank you for faith. I thank you for the relationship we have in you. I thank you that we can say, Father, and that is love. That means love, and that is, it's just so comforting. I thank you for your peace, and I thank you for going before us and making the way straight. We give you glory for this, and we declare that you are able, and great is our God. Amen? Amen.